Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I want to open up the lesson this morning with a story. And this story has to do with uh, many years ago, my son Joseph was in fifth grade and David was in third grade. Michelle was in first grade and Deanna was preschool. And here's a picture of Michelle and Deanna around that age. And Michelle's the blonde, Deanna's the brunette, and, and uh, Deanna's uh, a, a year and a half younger. And Michelle's the one that sang today. So this is a long time ago. And um, the kids, we, we ate dinner together. And Gina told me, I'll clean tonight. You don't have to help me. Go hang out with the kids. Joe and Dave were bouncing off of walls. So I thought, I'll go wrestle, rough them up, and calm them down a little bit. But uh, Deanna wanted to play with some dolls, and Michelle grabbed my hand and said, Daddy, I want, to sit, I, want, I want to sit on your lap. Let's cuddle. And it's hard to pass that up, so I said, okay. And uh, so I sat in an easy chair. My legs are up, and Michelle just uh, has her head on my chest, and the kids are having a blast. And about 10 minutes, Gina says, hey, Joe, Dave, Michelle, let's come in and do your homework. And Joe and Dave went in. Michelle didn't move. She just sat there. I wasn't going to have her move. And, and so um, Gina gave her a couple minutes. She said, Michelle, you need to come in now and do your homework. And at that point, Michelle was looking in the kitchen. She turned her head and looked the other way, didn't say a word. She nestled in a little closer to me. And uh, another couple minutes, and then Mommy said, Michelle, this is your last chance. Come in right now and do your homework. And here's what Michelle said. Gina and I laugh about it to this day. She said, I am doing my homework. And Gina goes, no, you're not. She said, my homework's to cuddle with my daddy. And uh, talk about making a daddy smile, right? I mean, the smile. And then Gina's smiling in the kitchen. So then Gina said, all right, you finish that homework, and then your daddy's going to help you with your homework. And I I said, I'll do that. You know what we're going to talk about today, guys? We're going to talk about something you and I can do to make God smile. It brings the biggest smile ever to God's face. A lot of things make God smile when we do different things. This is something that makes him smile more than anything else in the universe. And guys, you don't have to worry. We're not going to talk about spiritually cuddling with God. So guys, that's not what we're talking about, all right? I just wanted to share something at the opening that makes me smile more than anything, and that that was one of those things. We want to talk about what makes God smile more than anything. If you're visiting, I'm going to welcome you to pleasing God, living a life that makes God smile. This is lesson three. And today we're going to talk about what I would call, I titled this lesson, um, uh, Pleasing Priority, not Priorities, but Priority Single, because this is the most important thing in all the universe to God. And I want to help bring us up to the level to where we feel the same way about it as God does. And many of you do. I know myself, I, I do, but I know because I live in a human body, because this world is so busy My life is so cluttered, and you guys are right there. We're going 100 miles an hour, right? And I know that sometimes my heart wanders over here, and it wanders over there. Nothing bad, but I lose my passion for God's number one passion. And today, I just want to help all of us take it to the next level. So this is my point, my big idea. Here's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, and it goes like this. God's greatest joy comes when people come to Jesus. And when I say come to Jesus, I mean when someone accepts Christ as their savior. Nothing in all the universe brings God more joy than that event. It's big time in heaven. Listen to this. This is Luke 15, 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven. Key word is more. 
more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now that doesn't mean God doesn't smile concerning your life, doesn't mean God doesn't care about us as his children, but what it does mean is the thing that brings him the most joy out of anything else in the universe is when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their savior. Now, you see every service, at the end of every service, I, I give a time for prayer, I allow people to accept Jesus for the first time. You know, as a church, um, if I look at our numbers over the, over the last couple years, we're averaging about, on any given week, if we average it out, we have about 20 people a week that accept Christ as their savior in all of our services. That is absolutely amazing. But do you know that I can do what I, I can do that, and I can do it professionally? In other words, I could just come up here and I can teach, um, and then I can give that offer for prayer, and it can just be something I do professionally, but then I could go into my day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that not be the number one passion in my life. So just like everyone else in this room, I have to keep bringing myself to center and saying, this is gonna be my number one passion more so than anything else. And that's what I wanna help all of us do today because here's the bottom line. God loves people and he loves everybody. And whoever you are here today, he really loves you. He loves the bad people. He loves the good people. And he sent his son to die for all of us. And so his number one passion is he wants to bring as many people uh, to heaven as he possibly can. So that doesn't mean he doesn't care about other things. He cares about us. He wants us to grow in other areas of our life as Christians. But this is his number one path. Brings the biggest smile to God. So church people have always struggled with this. Jesus saw they were struggling when he was on the earth. He had all these people, and he had sinners and people that were considered the worst of the worst in society. They came to listen to him, and church leaders were upset. And it's just because they didn't understand the plan of God. They didn't understand the heart of God. They didn't know that God could change people's hearts and God could literally convert someone. They didn't understand that. So Jesus has to help them understand. So let's go back up a few verses. Let's begin in verse one. Listen to this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law, they were church leaders, complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. And sometimes we can become so religious, you know, we think people have to be perfect before they can come to God. And one of our core values here at Believers Church is no perfect people allowed. So if you're perfect, you've got to leave right now. We, we do not allow perfect people. Uh, you're not allowed to be here if you're perfect. But listen, listen. Our heart is like God's heart. I mean, wherever you're at, we love you so much, we don't want to keep you there. We want to, we want to take you to a higher level of walking with God, but there's no way to get there unless you hear, unless you, you come. And that's why Jesus wanted these people to be there. These leaders didn't understand, so Jesus thought, let me take something of great value. In, in an uh, agricultural society, uh, sheep were of great value. I mean, that's really, really valuable. Cost a lot of money, but then it produced. They were able to take the wool, you know, every, every year or however often they shave those sheep, and they were able to make money over and over again. So if someone lost a sheep, 
That was really, really valuable to them. So he thought, let me, let me help them understand where they're at. So he goes on and he says this in verse 3. So Jesus told him this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that he lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call to his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And then the very next verse says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven. I mean, God celebrates every time someone accepts Christ. And he's trying to help them understand if you lost something really, really valuable, if it was extremely valuable, would you not search for it? Wouldn't you go look high and low to find it? And once you found it, wouldn't you be excited about it? And God's just saying, that's how I feel about every person on this planet. I love them so much, I will search high and low for them. So I want you to think for a moment. What thing of value in your lifetime have you ever lost? And when you lost it, it's a thing of value. Did you look for it? Did you have a passion to look for it? And you did. So I want to tell you a story. It has to do with Gina losing her wedding ring. And uh, our, our, our uh, grandchildren were over, and Joe was holding our granddaughter, Riley. This is about two years ago, so she would have been three at the time, three and a half. And they were right near the kitchen counter, and Gina had her ring off, and it was on the counter. I saw Riley pick it up, and I didn't think anything of it. Joe didn't see her pick it up, and I just thought, well, you know, she'll put it back down, and I walked away. Well, when, when they went home, we couldn't find the ring, and so we called Joe and Aaron. We said, hey, can you see if it's in your car and see if you can find the ring? I looked everywhere, the kitchen, their toy room, where we have their toys, everywhere. I went in the garage. I looked everywhere there because they walked through the garage to go to their car. I looked on the driveway, looked on the grass. We couldn't find it. The next day, I tore the house apart for weeks. I tore the house apart. Joe and Aaron tore their car apart. We tore everything apart. We found, a, we found one of Gina's costume rings um, that Riley had in her purse, but we couldn't find her wedding ring. And so we looked and looked, and we had, we had an insurance policy on it, a rider on our home policy. And so we looked for about six months, couldn't find it. So we called our insurance agent, and we said, hey, we lost it. It's been six months. I, I mean, I... I told him I took my plumbing apart. I looked, I, I looked in the traps in the plumbing. I said, I, I took grates off, and I, I, I looked in furnace grates. I looked everywhere. I mean, I don't know where else to look. And they said, can you wait six more months? Keep looking. If you don't find it, we'll write you that check. We said, okay, we'll do it. So we looked another six months. I called the insurance company and said, I didn't find it. So they wrote me a check. We went and bought her another ring, and then the thought crossed my mind, what if I find it now? That's usually how things happen. So I called my agent. I said, hey, I said, we honestly can't find it. And I looked, you can't believe how hard I looked. And he knows me. He said, I know, I know you're not lying to me. I said, what if I find that ring now? He said, it's yours. Do whatever you want with it. Now, I start looking even harder. <laughs> I did. I tore everything apart even more, guys. And if you ever lost something, I still haven't found it, by the way. But to this day, I'll say, let me move this. Let me look under here. Maybe I missed it. And, and I still look everywhere I can look. I look for that ring because I want to get it and have somebody go sell it or something, you know, make, make the money back, right? But I can't find it. Isn't that what you would do if you lost something valuable? And here's how Jesus is saying, people are that valuable to me. And he says, now that you're one of my kids, you're a Christian, I want that to be the most valuable thing in all the world 
to you. And here's something else that's really cool. You guys ready for this? When we are instrumental in somebody coming to Christ, whether we invite them to church or we, you know, we have an open door and, and they allow us to share our hope, our message, and they end up giving their hearts to Christ, doesn't that cause great joy in, in our lives? It's absolutely amazing what it will do in our lives. And uh, I want to read a quote. This is uh, from the person that's now in heaven. They called him the Prince of Preachers. They say he was the greatest preacher in modern times. His name is Charles Spurgeon. And here's what, here's what uh, Charles Spurgeon said. He said, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus, you seem to get a new heaven here upon the earth. And he's just letting us know it brings us great joy if we're instrumental in someone coming to Christ. So it reminded me of a story. This is a true story. My dad was uh, a child of immigrants. His parents came from Italy. They grew up in southern Ohio, and they were really poor. Immigrants were poor. They lived in the poorest part of town. They were persecuted by the Americans that were already here and established. My grandpa, my, my dad told me he was fired over and over from jobs because uh, there were no unions, there, there was no government regulations, and he would get fired because the boss wanted to hire one of their relatives. And so he had a hard time keeping a job. He spoke broken English. And so my dad went through all that as a child, and then he grew up and went through the Great Depression. And, and so my dad wasn't one of those bubbly guys. He just was not real bubbly. He was real serious all work. He'll turn 90 here in November. And uh, so he just wasn't one of the bubbly parents, you know, that might be out there. But we knew he loved us. He was a great dad. But, you know, back in about 1989, I received a phone call from my dad. And I never heard him like this. Joe, Joe, how you doing, Joe? Guess what? Guess what, Joe? And he's bubbly. I never heard my dad bubbly. Not even when he was drinking, he wasn't bubbly. And, uh, You'll never guess what happened. You'll never guess what happened. I said, did you win the lottery? He goes, better than that, better than that. He said, I prayed with my, the first person. I, I, I led my first person to Jesus. I prayed with someone to accept Christ. And, and he was, I never saw him more excited. He said, you're right. I heard you say it in a message, son. You're right. He said, it does bring incredible joy. So it not only brings joy to heaven, it brings joy to you and I here on this earth. There's nothing like it. So guys, all, you, all of our volunteers, all of you that give here, I, I just want I, I to I bring you to a place to where you're excited every weekend when people give their hearts to Jesus because it's the greatest thing ever. But I want us to go through Monday, through our week, having a heart for people that haven't met Christ yet. Now, what does that mean? You know, you're not going to have an opportunity every day to pray for somebody. Uh, it's a process in all of our lives, right? You just pray for them. I'll give you some action steps. You look for an open door to share the love of God with people, and you look for open doors to invite people to church because we love them. We just want them to hear the message and be freed by the message that we've been freed by. It's just the most wonderful thing. So I want to help you with perspective, and I, I want to share a quote with you. Uh, this quote comes uh, fr from a guy. His name's Mark Cahill. Mark wrote a book titled, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And I remember going to an eye doctor. He was, he's still here at the church. And I just met him, and I hadn't been to the eye doctors in years. I thought I should go have a checkup. So I went, and I'm in his office, and he told me about this book. He said, there's this book called, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. Because you have to read it. It's by Mark Cahill. And so uh, I thought, well, if he's that excited about it, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to read it. And I wasn't sure what the one thing you can't do in heaven was. I wanted to find that out. You know what it is? You can't share Jesus with someone in heaven because everybody there knows Jesus. And the only place to do it is down here. So I want to give you what I call perspective. Guys, you'll love this book because guess what? Mark Cahill played college basketball with Charles Barkley. And he was Charles Barkley's roommate. And they're still friends to this day. And if you don't know who Charles Barkley is, NBA All-Star, uh, Hall of Fame for the NBA. Um, he's a commentator for basketball still. And one of my favorite people to listen to. I love, he's opinionated and I love 99% of his opinions. I agree with 100%. He is fun to listen to. Well, in the book, he tells Charles Barkley stories. Then he tells a story how Charles called him one day and said, hey, you want to go over to Michael Jordan's house with me? We're playing poker tonight. And, uh, and, and so this is when Michael was still playing for the Bulls, arguably the most famous person on planet Earth and, uh, at that time. And, and Mark said, yeah, so they're driving over. And Charles looks at Mark. He says, listen, don't go talking to Michael about Jesus. Don't you do that to me. I'm bringing you over to meet him. Mark said, I won't. But Mark's there, and by, by just a just minutes, he has Michael on a chair cornered and he's talking to him about Jesus. And Charles is really mad. So guys, you would love the stories. He has a quote in the book that's a perspective. I call it the perspective uh, quote. It's just absolutely amazing. And it reads like this. 300 million years from now, what will be the only thing that will matter? Think about it, 300 million years. Will it matter how much money you made? Will it matter what kind of car you drove? Will it matter who won the NCAA football and basketball titles this year? Will it matter who you took to the homecoming dance? 300 million years from now, the only thing that will matter is who is in heaven and who is in hell. And if that is the only thing that will matter then, that should be one of our greatest concerns now. And you know, I love the last part. That should be one of our greatest concerns now. You know what I love about it? Mark's balanced. Mark realizes you do have other concerns, right? You do have to live your life. You do have to work. You do have to raise your family. He, we, we have other things we have to put our efforts into. But what I hear him saying here, and I love it, is let's make our number one passion seeing people come to Christ and doing everything we can to see that happen in people's lives. And so how does that look? Well, you go to work, you do everything you have to, you raise your family, you have a great time, but you have this passion inside of you where you love people and you want to see as many people as possible come to Christ. So some of you are sitting here right now, you're listening, and you're thinking, I don't have the boldness to talk to someone about the Lord. And remember, you wait for open doors. We'll talk about you praying for them first. And you might say, I don't have the boldness to invite somebody. And I just want to say to you, I used to go out on the streets once a week when I was in Bible school, and I did it here for a long time. And I was nervous every time I went out. I had butterflies. And the, whenever I went to talk to the first person, I, my stomach was just in turmoil. And then once I opened my mouth, everything disappeared, and God just gave me the ability. And I, you learn over time, God will give you the ability. You know what people are really looking for? They, they want you to be authentic. That's really what people want, especially this younger generation. They want you to be authentic. They want you to be real. And God will do the rest. So I like to say it this way. Jesus will do the tough job if we do our simple job. And you know what our simple job is? To invite and to share Jesus with people. That's our simple, easy job. And do you know what a win is for you? A win for you is just sharing, just inviting. It doesn't matter if they respond. It doesn't matter what happens. 
That's God's problem. God has to deal with that. So I've come to a place in my life where if I share with someone and I say, you want to pray? And they say no. I walk away saying, God, you blew it, man. What's wrong with you? And, and, but here's what I know. Listen, listen. Here's what I know. Seriously. It's a process for all of us, isn't it? And maybe I just planted the first seed. Maybe I watered what someone else shared with them. Sooner or later will be their day. And I'm just excited I had a place in the process. And that's all you and I want to see. Listen to this scripture. John 6, says, For no one can come to me, Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at that last day, I will raise them up. What's God saying to you and I? It's my job to open their hearts up. He's the one that opens their hearts and lets them see that Jesus is the Savior. You and I cannot force that on somebody. You and I cannot make that happen. Only God can bring that to pass in anyone's life. And there's a story in the book of Acts, which is the history of the early church. And there's this woman, her name's Lydia. She lives in a city called Thyatira. And uh, she's a businesswoman. She's really super wealthy. She sells purple cloth, and it was really popular, and she sold it all over the world. So the apostle Paul, he goes to Thyatira to start a church. There's not any Christians in the town at all. He does an open public meeting in a public place, and Lydia's walking by, and she stops, and she listens. And here's why I love it. Here's why I'm sharing it with you. You know what the Bible says? God opened Lydia's heart, and she believed. Only God can do that, guys. Only God. And he did it with Lydia, and that's my prayer. Every, every weekend I say, God, open people's hearts and help them see who Jesus is because I can't do it, but you can do it. You don't have to do it. That's God's job. That's, that's in his hands. So if you were to ask me, what can I do? Here's what I would say. Three simple things. Pray. And I'm talking about specific prayer, and here's all I mean. Somebody in your life that doesn't know the Lord, that you'd like them to know the Lord, maybe a loved one, maybe someone you rub shoulders with as you walk through life. You just say, Father, draw them to Jesus. Father, open up their spiritual highs. I always pray this, Lord, convict them that they need a Savior. And then that's all we can do, we pray. And then I would encourage you to second one, help. And that just means volunteer at your church, help out at your church, because we exist to see a city connect with God, so help us do that. Help us grow Christians. Help us bring people into the kingdom. And then thirdly, I would just encourage you to invite slash pray for people. And some of you may say, I'm not good enough to actually pray with them, but you can invite. And then let God do what God does because we can't force Jesus down anyone's throat, but we can let God and allow God to open up hearts. And I just want to encourage you, the first thing that has to happen is ask God, give me that passion. Messages like this, they bring me back to where I need to be. They bring all of us back to where we need to be. And I believe this is going to be a week where God's going to really begin to stir our hearts. I'm going to close with a cool story. And uh, I'm going to talk about a guy that usually sits on the far back wall at first service. And he... The story with him is amazing. I had a really busy Saturday or Friday. I was, I was studying on a Friday about five years ago. And uh, I got caught up with all kind of phone calls, administrative things for the church. I got into some counseling. And so half my day was gone. And I, and I had to go out at night. Gene and I had to go out with a couple. So I didn't have a whole lot of time. And it was a beautiful day. So I, I told God, I have to clear my head. 
So I jumped on my Harley, which I don't have now, but I had a Harley. I jumped on it. I rode a half hour from Holland to the Austin Town Starbucks. I had my, my computer with me. I thought, I'm going to sit down and do my notes here. I walk in, and this guy's sitting there, and, and he looks at me, and he says, hi. And I said, hi. And then I sat down, and I just want to do my notes. And God has a way of nagging us. You know, he's pretty good at it. Um, and he was dealing with my heart. He wasn't speaking at ease ears, but in my heart, I kept hearing, go talk to that man. Go talk to that man. And I kept saying, no, I'm busy. I have notes to do. And you know, God nagged me for almost 15 minutes. And I kept telling him, no, I said, please leave me alone. And I'm not, I'm not talking out loud. It's all going on. It's like an inner battle. You guys have had inner battles. Finally, I heard this. If you go talk to him, I'll give you such great ideas for your notes. You'll get them done in minutes. Go talk to that man. So I did. The first thing I wanted to find out is if he knew me. I, I introduced myself. I said, I'm Joe. And he didn't know I was Pastor Joe. He didn't know who I was. So I said, hey, what's going on today? And he told me he had a lot of physical problems at the time. And he was just telling me what's going on in his life. And So I, I just talked. And then it came to Jesus. I told him what I did. And I asked him if I could pray for him. And he said, sure. And so I prayed for him. And I invited him to come to church. And he's been here now for five years. He doesn't miss a weekend. He's just always here. But here's the cool part of the story. You ready? This past December, just before Christmas, I had a meeting with someone, a church meeting. And they lived in Boardman, so I, was dry, I drove up there. I said, I'll meet you up there. So I met him in the Starbucks in Boardman. And uh, I get my coffee, and then I go to find a table, and there's the same guy, Bob. Bob's sitting there, the guy I just told you about. He's at a table with four guys. So I put my coffee down to save my table. My appointment's not there yet. I walk over to say hi to Bob. So he introduces me to all four guys, and he says this. He says, I've invited them all to come to church. They all tell me it's too far to drive to Trumbull County. He said, but they all promised me they'll be at the first service in Boardman. And here's Bob. I'm thinking, this guy has the same. He saw what I did, and it somehow put a heart in him where he wants to, he's just always reaching out for people. And I thought, Lord, let me never lose the zeal that Bob has, because that's a zeal I want. And that's where I want to end today. I want to pray. Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for what you do in our hearts. Lord, here's my number one prayer today. Give us a passion higher than we've ever had for people that don't know you. Help us look past their sin, their fault, and help us see the fact that you died for them. Lord, don't allow us to walk through life not noticing those around us that don't know you. And Lord, we thank you for giving us the ability. You told two fishermen, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I thank you you do that in every one of our lives. So guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In your own way, you can whisper this prayer. Just, if you say, if you say I, I want that passion, just ask God to place it in your heart at a higher level. And then just say, Lord, make, make me able to share my faith. Give me the boldness to do it. Just, I'm going to give you a second. Thank you for growing all of us, Lord, in this area. Lord, help us love people the way you do. Help us see people the way you see them. And thank you for growing us in this area, Lord. Because, Lord, we want to make you smile in this area just like every other area. 
Can we keep our heads bowed? Stay in an attitude of prayer. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, I've been here a couple times. I'm a first time or whatever. You say, but I, I can't remember a day when I made it personal with Jesus. I want to take a moment and speak with you. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion right now. I'm not doing that. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or, or an adult. Those are all great things, but I'm not asking that. I'm not asking you if you came in an atheist, agnostic. Uh, I'm not asking you where you're at in your life. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it personal and you made it real with Jesus? Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, he says, I'll save that person. He says, whoever believes in me, I'll give them eternal life. And so this is a personal time in our life. And sometimes we can grow up in Christian churches and never, ever make that commitment. Sometimes we never get into a church. And this could be the day that everything changes in your life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a time when I prayed, but I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, can you, can you help them? Can you also pray this prayer with them? And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Now let's make it personal. Ready? Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you're the Savior. And I give you my heart this day. And make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.